chapter number 14, and uh, drop down to verse number uh, 21. Uh, the Bible says, And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men, beside women and children. <clears throat> and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Lord, we pray you bless your word tonight as it goes out. I ask you to quicken this congregation by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the songs that have exalted your precious blood. Lord, we know that our boldness to enter into the throne room of grace comes only by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we do plead that blood over this service. We know you said they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And God, we plead the blood over every evil spirit, every uh, confusing spirit. And I ask you, Lord, that you quicken us according to your loving kindness. And Lord, I don't know the need of the heart of the people that have gathered here. Lord, you know our down-sittings, our uprisings. You know our thoughts before we thank them, and God, I pray that you'll minister and give every person that due uh, uh, meat in their heart uh, that they need to eat on and chew on tonight. Lord, I pray you'd revive our souls together as your church and as your people. Lord, all these congregations coming in here together in this meeting, I pray there might be an overflow into every one of them. Lord, I pray you'd revive Broad River Baptist Church. Lord, we need your help tonight. Our eyes are on you. And we ask you to glorify your Son in our midst. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Gospel of Matthew is the Gospel of the Majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew presents our Lord as King, Mark as servant, Luke as the Son of Man, and then John as the Son of God. And in the Gospel of Matthew, there is a mountain range that Jesus walks across and goes to as He presents His ministry and as He uh, does His mighty works upon this earth. And what better backdrop or background for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to do His work than on these mountaintops? And I'm preaching this week on the subject of the majestic mountains of Matthew, and we're just following through the Gospel of Matthew and uh, linking these different mountaintop scenes together as we study the life of the Lord Jesus. We started out in Matthew chapter number 4, and we saw the mountain of temptation, the devil, take a Jesus upon an exceeding high mountain, and there the devil tempted him. And I'm glad, thank God, on that mountain the Lord Jesus overcame the devil Satan had quoted some scripture, but Jesus said, It is written again. And he laid the word of God to him, and he laid the ways of God to him. And the devil was defeated in every element and in every point. Well, he comes down off that mountain, and uh, then he goes up on another mountain. And last night we looked at the mountain of exposition in chapter number 5, 6, and 7. There we read the Sermon on the Mount, or the Mount, uh, uh, the Sermon of Beatitudes. And uh, as you went through that, 
And I've been thinking about that all day long. Praise God. That was the best message I ever preached last night. It really was. I told him, Brother Shane, I was going to preach another man's message and read it word for word. And people looked, what are you doing tonight? Thank God that message was the message of the Lord Jesus. And I don't know how you can read through the Sermon on the Mount and not get under conviction. Uh, they had turned religious, religion into something pompous and proud and arrogant and all of that. And the Lord just came down right where the rubber meets the road. He didn't mince any words. He didn't spare anybody. Uh, he pointed them out. He said, ye hypocrites. I mean, he laid it to them. He encouraged God's people that were struggling. Consider the lilies of the field. And he has a word for everybody in those chapters. And praise God, it ministered to my heart just being able to read that. And I did that for an emphasis that we might just listen and go back and say, Lord, uh, you said something to me and I need to deal with that thing. And if we would get right with the Sermon on the Mount, we'd have a real revival here at Broad River Baptist Church. Absolutely no doubt about it. Well, we move on into the Gospel of Matthew. Come to chapter number 14. And uh, we see in verse number uh, 23, the Bible said that he sent the multitudes away and went up into a mountain apart to pray. And I want to preach on the mountain of supplication. The mountain of supplication. Now, this ought to tell us how much you and I need to pray. If Jesus being the sinless Son of God that didn't fail in any temptation. I didn't think any wrong thought. He knew no sin. He didn't have a fallen nature. He did no sin. There, there was no act of sin in him whatsoever. He was the perfect son of man. And yet, when you study his life, it is a life bathed continually in prayer and in supplication. And if Jesus felt the need to pray, to do the work of the Father, how much more do you and I need to pray to do the work of our Heavenly Father? You remember Samuel when he told the children of Israel that God had uh, we're going to give them their king just like they wanted. You want a king? God said, you're going to uh, get your king. And uh, they said, oh, Samuel, Samuel, please don't cease to pray for us. Samuel, with surprise on his face, looked at him and said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Sometimes we come into a meeting like this, we think, well, you know, I've done pretty good. I hadn't shot my neighbor or uh, haven't uh, stole a whole lot of money, you know, and tried to do this or that, and uh, I'm doing pretty good, so I don't know if I really need revival. What do you have a meeting for anyhow, preacher? You know, that must be for that church down the road. I'm glad you invited them in here so they could get some help. But the truth is, if we have ceased to pray, then we're sinning against Almighty God. And part of the key to revival in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is humbling ourselves and then praying. A proud people are not a praying people. A proud people think, oh, I'll make it myself. I'll get through this. I don't need nobody. I don't need anything. But a people that understand that they need God are a people that pray commune and fellowship and make supplication before the Lord. And I want to look tonight at the thoughts that are in this scripture. Notice first of all a previous service. 
Now, verse 15 through verse number 21 tells us about some great things that were transpiring. Now, John the Baptist had just had his head chopped off, and uh, the disciples were very uh, burdened about all that. And Jesus had got in a ship and went to a desert place to get along, but the people knew where he'd gone to, and so they went there on foot. And as they went there on foot, they wanted to get something from Jesus. And uh, the scripture says in verse 14, he was moved with great compassion toward them and he healed their sick. My, what a day that must have been out there in the desert. No doctors, no hospitals, no medicines, no remedies, just the Lord himself. The one who made the bodies, the one who made the eye, the arm, the one who made the very being of man touching them and speaking to them and making them whole, a mighty move of God among them in healing power. You say, preacher, do you believe in divine healing? I sure do. Divine healers? No. Divine healing? Yes. And how does God heal? Well, all healing's divine healing. God can touch somebody and heal them immediately. I've seen that happen. I've literally seen that happen on several occasions. And then God can heal through doctors and remedies. For Jesus said, they that are sick need a physician. And if you get sick and I get sick, I'm going to call my doctor. I need a physician. And there are remedies. And the Bible talks about poluses and different things that were brought to folk that were sick. And God can use that. Or sometimes we pray and we really got a peace in our heart that God's going to help some dear brother or sister and they die. Well, God has healed them permanently. They'll never have another ache. They'll never have another pain. Thank God. My old dad that suffered so greatly, he's not suffering tonight. Hallelujah. He's shouting the victory. He's got a young glorified body like unto the body of the Lord Jesus. He has been healed permanently. But man, what a service. What a previous service they're having. Well, this crowd gets ready to go home now. And the Lord had compassion on them again and said, You know, I'm not going to let them depart hungry. By the way, if you come to Jesus with the right attitude, you won't depart hungry either. If you came here tonight really wanting something from God and you're hungering and thirsting and you want God to help you, you don't have to go out of here hungry because He'll have something on the table for you to eat. And all you got to do is take advantage of it. He's already availed it to you. He's already given it to you. Well, the Lord said, now we've just got five loaves and two fishes, but bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. Hallelujah. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. My, what a day. Five loaves, two fishes, 5,000 hungry men, plus their wives, plus their kids. And some of these young fellows can eat more than a, a grown man can. Amen. And these disciples are receiving it from the hand of the Lord, basket after basket, and and the Lord didn't just barely able to give them just a little pinch. No, praise God, they ate to the full. And then he had 12 basketfuls left over. What a, wouldn't you like to be in on that service? 
Hey, an old boy right there and said, hey, give me another basket full, Peter. Peter said, here, have that one and have another. Praise God, reach in there and eat to your bus. Boy, we got plenty where that came from. I'm glad the Lord's able to fill the heart, the world, and all that it has cannot fill the soul. But Jesus can fill your heart with peace and joy and satisfaction. And he's the only one that can give joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you'd admit it, if you'd be honest with yourself, you tried this old world again and again, and it always leaves you empty. You always come up dry. You always come up wanting more. But praise God when you partake of Jesus. He puts on the inside a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. And the joy is always there. Well, what a service now. And he puts his disciples into a ship and he sends them to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he says goodbye to the multitudes. It's time to go get in the bed and rest for most of it, but not Jesus. Look what happens. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Most of us pray going into a service. We've done that every night. But Jesus prays after the service. Most of us pray coming into a revival meeting. I dare, dare say, Pastor, you've had prayer meetings. The church is gathered and got in the altar and maybe had special prayer meetings. Lord, help us, help us, help us, God. We need some help. And then the Lord moves and and he touches hearts, he heals lives, he saves souls. And then he feeds souls and blesses people. And then we say, God bless you. We'll dismiss in prayer and go to the house. Well, after all that was over, Jesus went on the mountain to pray. You remember when Moses and Joshua fought the Amalekites in Exodus chapter number 17. And Joshua was in the battle with the edge of the sword. Moses was up on the mountain and he held his hands up. While he held his hands up, the rod of God, Israel prevailed. And when he let them down, the Amalekites prevailed. But uh, they held Moses' hands up and they had a great victory over the Amalekites. And after the victory, after the battle was over with, you know what Moses did? He went and builded an altar. And he called the name of it, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. And they had a prayer meeting at the altar after the victory. Some of the most dangerous times in any believer's life is after God has given a great victory. And there's been a mighty work of God because we're apt to let down. But Jesus did not do that. At the turn of the millennial, Brother Ricky Rackley asked me to come preach a meeting at Midway Baptist Church in Bavard, North Carolina. We were going to go Sunday through Wednesday. On Wednesday night, I just stood up to preach, and boy, God just came. I just broke down squalling, crying. And anyhow, Brother Ricky asked me, said, you think we could go a few more nights? I said, well, I think so. And some of the young folk had really got right with God in that service. They said, well, we're going to start praying after the service. And so they went back in the classrooms and prayed for a while. And then that thing started growing. And every night, young folk would meet in the, uh, back in the Sunday school classes. It started out with three. And by the end, middle of the third week, there's over 100 young people back there. Sounded like a pack of bear dogs. Had a big bear bait up back there. I mean, calling on God. That thing broke out. 
And we went for five weeks. We had folk in their 80s get saved, had five young men surrender to preach. I was standing back at the back one day uh, as as the service was starting, and a lady came in, and uh, she said, Are you the pastor? And talked to Brother Ricky, and he said, I am. She said, Well, I live straight across the road here, and said, I've just come to see what's going on. There'd been cars in the parking lot till 12 and 1 o'clock at night. Folk coming out the door shouting and hollering. I just come see what's going on. Old Brother Ricky said, come on in. Help yourself. Amen. And she got to see what was going on. But that's one of those revivals bathed in prayer after the services. And sometimes people receive the Word of God, and as soon as they do, the fowl of the air comes. And you know what the old buzzard wants to do? He wants to pick that seed up and jerk it out of their heart before they ever get out of the parking lot. So, we see a previous service. Number two, look at prayer for supplication. Verse number 23 said he went to a mountain. Notice the place, into a mountain to pray. Now, why'd he go to a mountain? He could have sat there dangling his nose in the Sea of Galilee. Everybody's gone. But instead, he chose to go to a mountain. That mountain, number one, was a separated place. In verse number 22, he separated himself from the crowd. Uh, he, t- he said uh, he constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. He sent the crowds away. In verse number 22, he sent his companions away. He's going to separate himself from everybody and everything but God. And you know, if you're afraid of God, if you don't have fellowship with God, last thing you want to do is be alone. That's why people can't get in their car without flipping the radio on. They can't get on their lawnmower without having headphones blasting in their ear. They don't want to be alone with God. They don't want to be alone in His presence. Boy, Jesus said, I've got to get separated. I've got to get alone. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 6, and Jesus preached this last night, you know. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father in secret, and thy Father in secret shall reward thee openly. Jesus had secret place that he went to be with his father that was separated. You look throughout the Bible and people that made a mark in relationship to the things of God, they had their place. Isaac had his edge of the field. He was meditating in the edge of the field at eventide. Well, I believe he was out there walking in the edge of that field praying and asking God, oh Lord, just direct my life and guide me and I I want you to send me the right bride, bless old Eliezer, and help him to hook up the right one. And Lord, I don't know what she'll look like, but whatever you pick out, that's what I'm going to be happy with. And while he's out there walking the edge of the field, he looks up, behold, the camels were coming. Praise God. He got an answer to his prayer right there in the edge of the field where he was praying at. Amen. You ever had God answer prayer while you was praying it? I have. I remember first starting out in meeting, I didn't have any revival meetings. I didn't know preachers or anybody else, but I knew God wanted me to preach. And been many a time, I've been under the old pine tree altar up there above our little old trailer where me and my wife, uh, we started out at and been praying and hear her holler, Hey, Randy, so-and-so's on the phone, wants to talk to you. 
And I'd come down and get on the phone. Brother, I was just praying a while ago. God laid you on my heart. Would you mind coming over and preaching a meeting for me or preaching a Sunday for me? I'd say, well, yes, sir, I'd be glad. Let me see if I got any dates. I just got four, winter, spring, summer, and fall. So, yeah, I'd be glad to. Amen. I'd write her down and praise God and go back and pray some more. And the Lord often answer prayers while praying, praying in secret. I think about Ezekiel. He went down by the river Chabar, and that's where he prayed and got his visions of God. Think about Daniel. Daniel had a window, and he'd go to his window, and he'd look toward Jerusalem, and he'd pray, and boy, those, those devils, those politicians, they knew where Daniel prayed at. And when they hoodwinked the king into saying, uh, no man should make any petition save of you, O king, for 30 days, anybody be thrown into the den of lions, they knew where Daniel was going to be praying. They knew his prayer place. Amen. And then I think about old John the Baptist. He had his wilderness. Paul, when he was on a ship sailing, he found him a chamber in the bottom of the ship. Peter. He said, boys, i got to go to the housetop. While he was up on the housetop by himself praying, that's where he saw the sheet, and God gave him an understanding that this gospel is not the Jew only, but unto the Gentiles. Thank God. Arise and eat, Peter. I'm doing a great work here. Separated place. Question, have you got a separated place where you shut the world out? It may be your car. It may be your truck. It may be the edge of a field. It may be a closet. It may be uh, down in the basement or up in the... It may be a literal mountaintop. But we all need to have a place where we go to make supplication with the Lord. If Jesus had one, I feel like we ought to have one. Not only that, but it was a solitary place. There he went apart to pray. Apart to pray. Solitary. Nobody else was there, just him. And you know, Psalms 23 says that our shepherd will lead us down by the still waters. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. And if we get still before the Lord, you can hear things and understand things that normally you can't hear and you can't understand. Habakkuk said in chapter number 2, let the whole earth keep silent before him. And you know, I love shouting. I love running the aisles. I love all of that. But I'll tell you, sometimes we just get so noisy that we can't hear what God's saying. And we need to just sit down and be quiet and listen to the Lord. And prayer is not just me talking to Him, but it's Him talking to me. And there's a lot of times I'll take my Bible and I'll go pray. And I'll just open the book and I'll begin to just read the Word of God and then something will reach out and it'll speak to my heart. And boy, I'll say, oh my, I didn't know that, Lord. And God will begin to speak to us as we get into a solitary place. Thirdly, it was a serious place. He went there to pray. To pray, seriously pray. And prayer is a serious thing. It's not just some flowery religious ceremony that we tack on before, maybe during or after a service. But prayer is a serious element in the life of God's people that we need to utilize and realize it's one of our greatest tools and weapons in this warfare. 
1 Peter 5, 6 through 9 said, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then in that text, he says, Casting all your care upon him, on the Lord, for he careth for you. At the armor, in chapter number 6 of Ephesians, when you get to the end of it, you got the helm of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your loins girt about with truth, the sword of the Word of God on your side. And now where are you standing? Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You're standing on prayer ground. Brother Raymond Geis used to say this, the battle is won or lost in the prayer closet. And I've seen that again and again and again. That if we lose in the prayer closet, we're going to lose out in the public. And that's seen in Exodus 17 where Moses, when he lifted his hands up, Israel prevailed down in the public, but when he let it down, they failed and they received blows from the Amalekites. And if we're not getting a ride in the private, in that solitary place, it's not going to show up down here in the public place. Fourthly, that mountaintop to Jesus was a sweet place. For he was alone there in prayer. If you love somebody, alone with them is the best place you can be. You remember reading the Song of Solomon? And in the Song of Solomon, these daughters of Jerusalem came by. And she said to them, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds field, that you stir not nor awake my love till he pleases. Just leave us alone. Do not disturb. Amen. And boy, if you love the Lord and you got a real relationship with Him and there's communion in the Holy Ghost and fellowship with Jesus, the lover of your soul, you want to be alone with Him. And Jesus wanted to be alone with His heavenly Father and commune with Him and receive from Him that which He wants Him to do. The old song says, I go to the garden alone. There the dew is still on the roses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. Hey, you can come to the house of God. Maybe you can pick up a little uh, spiritual goose bump or get a little blessing. But does that happen when you're alone? Have you, are, you, are you feeding off somebody else? Or are you getting your energy from somebody else? Or can you walk with God and fellowship with God and when it's just you and God, He breathes on you. He moves on you. He speaks to your heart. Talking to you about a mountain of supplication. And then fifthly, it was a sharing place. Jesus shared things with His Father. There's some things He talked to His Father about in this context, over in John 6, 15, when Jesus perceived they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed unto a mountain to pray. That crowd wanted Jesus to be a king. Do you know that? Oh, man, what a king he'd be. If Jesus just be our king, we get sick, a soldier gets shot, he could just heal them. None of our soldiers would ever die. We'd never run out of provision. We wouldn't have to farm anymore. He could just take five loaves, two fishes, and feed the whole crowd. Boy, we want Jesus to be our king. And Jesus said, uh, I need to go pray. Father, I know that you didn't send me to be a king at this point in time. 
You sent me to die on a cross and suffer and bleed and die. If they make a king out of me, I know that I'm not going to fulfill that will. So our Father, I pray you'll help me to dodge this popularity and not fall to what men want me to do, but help me, Father, to follow and stay in your perfect will. He was getting pressure from other people and other men, and it wasn't right. And he knew he needed to get along with God and pray about it. And when you start getting pressure from other people, it may be some old boy after you, gal. It may be some old gal after you, feller. It may be some situation with a job or an educational realm, or it may be a neighbor or a friend, or it could just be the devil pressuring you here or there. You better find that mountain of supplication and do what Jesus did, and that is poured out before him. Amen. See, he was burdened also about the reasons the people were following him. Were they following him to hear the word of God? Hey, or were they following him because he's giving them bread and fish? Were they going to be loaf believers and loafing believers? Or were they going to be believers that really wanted the word of God? Father, I don't want them just coming for what they can get out of me. I want them to know you and I want them to get the word of God. It's things that bothered and burdened him. John the beloved Baptist had just been, uh, his head chopped off. And uh, there Herod had uh, chopped the head of John off. And his disciples were really mourning and burdened about that. Oh, Father, I pray you'd help them lift up their spirits and strengthen them. Yeah, he is sharing a lot of things with his father. Sixthly, it was a strengthening place. The Lord had been ministering all day long. And I'm sure he was weary. We catch a glimpse of that in John chapter number 4. Jesus went through Samaria and he sat down at midday at the well being wearied. You don't think about Jesus being God the Son as being wearied, but he was in a body like my body and your body. Some of you are so tired that you're having to do this number right here and just sort of having to slap yourself to stay awake. I know what it's like. Much as you want to. I've worked all day long, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, run wide open, and then come sit down on a pew, and the old preacher gets in a humdrum, and you just sort of drift off in that la-la, and you got to do that. I know what that's like. And the Lord was weary, and he needed strength from the Father. And you and I need strength from the Lord to serve him day by day. We can't depend upon our own energy. But Jesus knew where the strength was at. The Bible tells us in Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where there's assembled together. There's filled with the Holy Ghost. They went right back out there preaching the Word of God again with all boldness. <clears throat> Sometimes the reason we're so weak and ready to quit is because we don't go to the mountain and pray like Jesus did and receive from God divine strength. We talk about Spurgeon, his great ministry, and my, what a ministry he had. But you know he had over 500 men praying in the basement under his pulpit every time he got up to pray. Lord of God, supplicating, seeking God. Lord, we know he's nothing. 
He might have a good vocabulary, but Lord, he can't convey spiritual truths to the heart of dead sinners. It's going to take you to quicken and convict and open their eyes of understanding. Ah, what strength there is conveyed to us through prayer. Then I'll say also that this prayer mountain turned into a stormy place. It was a storm that hit down on the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible tells us that the winds and waves in verse 30 were boisterous. And if the wind was a howling down in the valley, you know it was coming across the top of that mountain. Lightning and flashing and all the rest of it. And it got to be a stormy place as well. A tempest night of winds, but he continued right on in prayer. You ever got into a battle with the devil? You ever got into a storm while you was praying? A lot of folk would just run for shelter. But the Lord hunkered down right there and he continued right on praying. Old Daniel prayed. Prayed a second day, a third day. First week, second week, nothing's going on, man. A storm's a-brewing. I can't get a word through. Oh, God, please help me. 21 days later, here comes the old angel. Said, you know, we heard you the first time. We've been battling with the prince of Persia. And here's your answer, Daniel, thou beloved of God. Friend, don't give up. Sometimes when you feel like you can't pray, that's when you really need to bear down and pray. Sometimes when you don't feel like you're getting through, you may be getting through better then than you do when you think you're getting through. Jesus just kept right on praying until finally he said, Amen, the place of prayer. Have you got a place of prayer? Number two, the prayer itself. Think about the length of this prayer. In verse number 23, it was evening tide when he sent everybody away. In verse number 25, it was the fourth watch of the night or early in the morning when Jesus come walking on the water. Now, if you figure that up, that's eight to nine hours that he spent on that mountain in prayer. Now, that's a long prayer. That's a lot of praying. You ever prayed all night? You ever had any all-night prayer meetings? Well, it's been something common to God's people down through the years. And I'm not talking to you about something I haven't done before. I know what it's like. Praise God, what a blessing it is when the sun begins to rise, but the length of prayer. You say, that's a long prayer, yeah, but you know God's not happy with us just praying eight or nine hours. No, no. You say, well, preacher, if I could pray an hour, I'd feel really good. Well, really, it ought to be, you ought to be able to go through an hour without praying. Amen. God said pray without ceasing. I'm looking at some of you right now, and I'm praying for you. Because either you don't understand what I'm saying, or you don't agree with what I'm saying, or maybe God's just driving it home so hard, you're just so sort of hard to chew up. You know, it's like getting a good piece of steak. You just got to keep chewing on it. Amen. Pharisees thought they were doing something. They prayed three hours a day, an hour in the morning, an hour in the middle of the day, and an hour in the middle of, and in the evening, and they thought they were really doing something. But then Jesus tells us to pray without ceasing. Men ought to always pray and not faint. Praying ought to be as common to you and me as breathing is. But all night long he prayed the length of it. And then I think about not only that, but I think about the uh, content, the language of the prayer. Look what Jesus prayed. Well, it's unrecorded. We don't know what he prayed. 
We really don't. And you know why it's unrecorded? It shows us how secretive this prayer is. Oh, what a blessing it is to get along with God. Tell Him all your heart and He won't run off and blabber it. And when we pray, we need to pray, God put a hedge about me so the devil can't even hear what I'm talking to you about. I don't know what he prayed, but prayer in secret is the secret of prayer. That tells me you can confide in the Lord. You can pour out your deepest, darkest secret. You can tell him things that you're thinking that you wouldn't dare speak in ten worlds. You wouldn't dare say it to anybody else, but you can say it to the Lord. And you can commune with him, and I don't know all that he said, but the Father did. And then I think about the love of prayer. You don't pray that long without really love and prayer and communion and fellowship with God. You know, young fellas dating, and it's amazing. I remember whenever I was dating my wife, I'd call down. She stayed with her grandpa and grandma. I can hear old Papa Howard now. He'd pick up that phone. Hello? And I'd say, uh, hello, Mr. Howard. Uh, this is Randy. I'd like to, it's that boy! <laughs> he wouldn't even let me get done. It's that boy! <laughs> and here she'd come. We'd talk on the phone, you know. It's back long distance when you had to pay for the minute and all that, but I didn't care. Praise God. Boy, you're doing nothing. Boy, you're doing nothing. Been a good day, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. What you doing nothing? Boy, you doing nothing. Just <laughs> wanted to talk, wanted to be around. Didn't matter. Well, you better get me home now. My boy's going to be mad. It's after 9 o'clock. It just seemed like we got here, you know. Praise God. When you're in love with somebody. Time flies. You ever notice when you're out of fellowship with God how long and tedious and uh, boring the church services are? And oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But boy, when you're saturated, you better preach an hour. I like it when they come up to me and say, man, why'd you quit so early? I say, well, I preached for an hour. You didn't do it. I said, well, look at the tape recorder. Well, you did, didn't you? It seemed like five minutes. That's a whole lot better than preaching five minutes. Seemed like a hour you preached, amen. Folk are just in it. They're in love with it. And boy, when you get into, when, when the prayer life is right, it's not something that you just got to do as a Christmas wish list. We're not like the heathen that makes vain repetitions and just says the same things over and over and over and over like, like, like a, a Gatlin gun or something like We'll be heard for that. The Lord said, I want to hear from your heart. Amen. Lastly, I want you to look at the powerful service that came after the prayer. Now this is a blessing. When the Lord finished praying, Number one, there was an open door. He could have went off that mountain any direction he wanted to go. He could have went north, south, east, or west. But the Father directed him to go back down to the Sea of Galilee to help his disciples. Now, the Father led him to his disciples and showed him they needed something. Ah, to be in prayer and to have an open heart and to come out of that and say, now, Father, you lead me in your path. I remember I had a uh, tombstone up at the Bain graveyard above my dad's house that I'd go 
laid my Bible on, and it said, Blessed are the pure in heart. It's about waist high, and I'd laid my Bible there, and I, I'd preached to that graveyard. And I thought, boy, it'll get better than this, but after some Sunday morning services, I think there's more life in that graveyard than there are in some churches. Say amen right there. But I'll never forget getting down beside that, that, that old uh, tombstone, blessed are the pure in heart, praying one day. I'm just making supplication. And God said, uh, go see Paul Ward. And so I tried to continue praying. The Lord said, go see Paul. I just got up off my knees, went back down to the house. I stayed with mom and dad then. That's before I was married. And I told her, I said, I'll be back after a while. Got my truck, went up the river, went in, seen Paul Ward. He had cancer. I hadn't been by to visit him. God told me to go see him. I went in. He was all by himself. Me and him sat there for a couple of hours. I talked to him about the Lord. And old Paul told me, he said, you know, he said a couple of nights ago, he said, I called on the Lord and I asked him to save me. And he said, I'm trusting him. I believe he did. And that's all I know, I know to do. And I gave him the pure gospel. And we left there. I prayed with him. I went home, got a call early the next morning. Did you hear? I said, hear what? He said, at 2 o'clock in the morning, Paul went on to be with the Lord. As the first funeral I ever preached, Brother Shane, and I was one of the only people that he had told about calling on the Lord and getting saved. Man, what a comfort that was to his family, but what a comfort it was to me to be there in prayer and then get direction from the Lord and then know what to do, getting up off my knees and then go and pursue that and follow it. Well, the father said, uh, you don't need to go north, south, east, or west. Uh, you need to go straight down the mountain. You need to go to the disciples. They need some help. And God will lead you to people. It may be a call. It may be a card. It may be a visit. And if you're tender in prayer and you ask the Lord, I'll be in the way, the Lord will lead you. And then we find something else. Not only a door open, but I want you to look at a definite opportunity. When he got there, those boys was glad to see him. At first they were afraid, but Jesus said, It is I, be not afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee. I'm so glad to see you. I can't wait for you to get to the boat. I've got to get to you. It's a blessing to follow the Lord and go and knock on a door. And glad to see you. Come on in. Glad you're here. Boy, I've seen that happen. Sometimes folk cuss you out and run you off. But on this occasion, the Lord had bade that all in prayer before he went, and they needed him, and they were ready when he got there. And you know, God's got a way of ready in hearts. And if God's working on you on this end, mark it down, he's working on them on that end. Amen. Well, I don't know if I need to go or not. Has God told you to go? Go. Because if he has, mark it down, he's working on them too. Then I want you to look at the divine outpouring. Well, Peter went walking to Jesus on the water, and the Lord said, Peace be still. And God calmed the waves, and they got in the ship. And when they went over, they said, Oh, the truth, thou art the Son of God. They declared the obvious. God is in this. Glory be to God. Blessed be your name, Jesus. How good you are. And you know where it all came out from? A mountaintop prayer meeting. A mountain of supplication. Had a fellow call me before I came to church this evening. Pray for my two boys. Both of them are lost. One of them laid out at 3 o'clock in the morning, just 17 years old. And he said, I felt like just, you know, skinning him alive. And he said, 
he's gone on up there now, and I've taught him and preached to him and loved him and prayed for him, and I know it's going to take God. Would you help me pray about that? And I'm praying about that. You know what? I know God can go find where them boys are going and what they're doing, and he can take all the joy of their sin out, put them under Holy Ghost conviction, and if he has to, there's an oak tree out there harder than their head. Amen. That he can wrap them around, lay them up, and get their attention. God knows how to do it. I don't know what burdens are on your heart tonight. And I don't know what needs are on your heart tonight. But I know this. The sinless Son of God, the Lord Jesus, went to that mountain, that place. And he outpoured it all on top of that mountain. And when he came down, guess what? Business picked up all over again. And if you want business to pick up in your life, pause, park it, get in the place of supplication. Let's stand all over the house. What a mountain. Let's bow our heads and hearts before him. You want to come pray? These altars are always open, but you want to join these praying? Just slip out and come on right now. God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray. Lord, restore my prayer life. Give me back a joy and a communion and a love and a fellowship. Lord, grant unto me that strength in prayer and, Lord, that reality. And, God, I'd love to have it again where even before I call, you're already answering prayer. And, Lord, put in me what I need to pray. And God, help me, I pray. You may be here tonight not saved by the grace of God. You need to offer your first prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord can save you. Then you know what? The troubles and the burdens that you're carrying, the things on your heart, you'll have a place to carry them to Him. And He'll answer your prayers and He'll progress you and strengthen you. You've turned to everybody else. You've turned to everything else. You've turned to everywhere else. Turn to Jesus tonight. Come to Him. Come to Him. Our sister's going to come on the piano and play for us, if you will, sis. And God spoke to your heart. You want to come join these praying? Come on right now. Don't wait any longer. Come turn it over to Jesus. There's folk here that will pray with you and pray for you. Most of all, you need to pray and turn it over to Jesus. Ah, there's not a mountaintop, but there is an altar here. And the Lord will meet you in this altar. Just like Jesus went there and got that strength from his Father, you can get just what you need in prayer tonight. Come on right now. God spoke to you. She's playing. God's drawing. God's kneeling. Don't go out of here like you came. The Lord will help you. You're going to have to turn it over to Him. And in prayer, that's how you do it. Call upon His name. Call unto me and I'll show thee great and mighty things. God's got some great and mighty things for you, but you're going to have to humble yourself and call on Him. Turn it over to Him. Right now, as we wait just a moment. Oh, my. There's help. There's strength in the Lord. There's mercy from Him, but... He said, whosoever shall call you have not, cause you ask not. Why are you not asking?
You want to have, but you don't want to ask. You have not because you ask not. He said that's the key to it. Come and ask me. Call on my name. Look to me. I'll help you. I'll help you. There's somebody here tonight God's dealing with. You don't need to go out inside these doors. You need to get in the altar and call on the Lord. Let go. Let go of old pride. Let go of your excuses. You tried everything else under the sun. Won't you turn it over to Jesus? If any man thirst, let him come unto me, Jesus said. Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Love, joy, peace, satisfaction. Life's answer is all in the Creator. And you're not going to enjoy creation without knowing the Creator. But oh my, what a difference it makes. What a difference. God spoke to you. You need to come. Come on right now as we wait just a minute.